Welcome in to the Sunday Recap. Hey, it's great to have you guys here with us today. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green. What's going on, everybody? Hey. <laughs> great to see you guys. You as well. It's, yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good, uh, a good week, I think. It's been a good week. Uh, Ariel, well, you were over at the TGC Women's Conference this weekend, right? How was yeah, that? Yeah, it was wonderful. I just keep saying it's it was so nourishing. I say that word over and over <laughs> That's again. your word That's for it. That's my word for it. Nice. Um, of course, we were uh, talking about the book of James and being not just hearers, but doers of the word and just all kinds of encouragement for the believer. And it was, it was a sweet time with sisters, too. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Awesome. Mitch, how's life at home? Good, man. I was yeah. supposed to be going to the, the Gospel Coalition Conference this week, but yeah. I just got too busy. Yeah. <laughs> just not Life possible. Happens. I know. And I was like, I can't do that. But totally. we're good. Graham's good, man. Mm. Just sits, chills. Yeah. He whimpers a lot, <laughs> you know, but yeah. he's good. Yeah, totally. Do you want to talk about um, the staff role that's switching yeah, up? Yeah. So I am going to step into an interim student role because Mr. Luke Calvert is moving. I should call him Pastor Luke Calvert. Were you guys yeah. there Sunday night? <laughs> Sunday night, he kept uh, he kept talking about me, but he kept calling me Pastor Mitch, and then he'd go, no, I'm just going to call him Mitch, and then he'd still call me Pastor Mitch the whole time. <laughs> but um, no, so Luke, Luke is transitioning out of the student pastor role. He's moving to New York City, doing an awesome New church New York City. Yeah. Okay, so I grew up in the 80s, and that was a commercial. Do you uh, remember that commercial? Pace, yeah, Pace the Conte sauce. Yeah. yeah. yeah know. <laughs> Most people in my generation do the, like, New York, you know, like the yeah. New York City. Yeah. Or like right after he finished his announcement, um, Jim Hale played um, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> like you hear, like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right awesome. afterwards. That's pretty awesome. So he's doing that. I'm stepping into the interim student role. I'm super pumped about it. Um, something that's really cool about this time, I feel like, you know, I've done this before, like mm-hmm. not just student ministry, but like I've done the interim student role. But in the past, I've always been doing other things, which means both of them kind of get like half of my attention. Yeah. And yeah. I just don't think that's ideal. Thankfully, our leadership didn't think so either. So I'm full-fledged doing the student thing. Yeah. And there's some volunteers, elders that are going to be helping out with the mission side, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. You're going to be filling in there with students. Um, So I think that we're super blessed, Mitch, to have you step into this role because this is a role that you have done before at another church. Yes. You You got to see Luke do it. Um, in this interim time, and you participated in it for some time. So you know the kids, you know the ministry, you know what you would do maybe a little differently. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what's going to come out. I told Luke it was like, I didn't say it this way, but I'm going to this time. I was baby Yoda when I was in student ministry. Oh, dude. Now I'm Yoda. And I got to make sure that they don't just think I'm some cranky old grandpa. <laughs> so that's that's the goal for nice. the summer. If you good. still know what a Jigglypuff is, you're going to be in. You're going to be do. in. Thankfully, though, that's been a thing since I was in third grade. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, Pokemon well, is officially vintage now, you guys. Oh, so I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Retro. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other thing we want to let you know about, too, this is really cool. So, you know, at Stones and uh, – Ariel really helped me to kind of frame this. So this is <laughs> this is really going to be good. So, but um, we really do value and love uh, the women of our church. And one of the things, obviously, this weekend we are going to have the women's conference, uh, loving the word. Which I I know a number of women that are going. They're really looking forward to it. Um, and so that's really exciting. But one of the things that is also coming up in the life of our church is. Um, we are going to have a, a a guest speaker come out and help our leaders in the church. That's elders, D group leaders, small group leaders, all, all kinds of leaders in our church to talk about um, identifying and helping people who are dealing with domestic abuse in the home. Um, I was shocked by this. Like, mm-hmm. um, So the guy that's coming out, his name is Chris Moles. He's written a book on this. He's a pastor and author. And um, he talks about how about a quarter of the women in the church today have experienced some kind of domestic abuse in the home. And that's I don't know about you. I mean, that's astonishing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I did not understand how that could happen. But, um, but yeah, so uh, he's going to be coming out and helping our leaders to identify it and what to do, uh, how to, how to help in those situations. So that's on May 7th and 8th. Um, 
And if you want to go to that, um, we would love to have you there. Mm -hmm. uh, we think that this is really for everybody, but we especially want our leadership uh, to be a part of that um, uh, that conference. So, and when I say leadership, I, I mean like if you're an elder, if you're one of the pastors, if you are a a small group leader, a D group leader. Um, Discussion a, group leader, uh, all yeah, the things. Yeah, a biblical counselor. Like we want you to be a part of this. We think this is going to be um, really helpful to identify um, something that may be going on in our midst that we just don't know about. And so, uh, so you can go ahead and sign up for that at stonescrossing.com, and we would love to have you there. All right, let's jump into <clears throat> First Thessalonians. Cheese <laughs> quesadilla. <laughs> what? Cheese quesadilla? Is that what you're you saying? You guys, have, have you seen the commercial with Garth and Wayne? It's like a throwback. And uh, they come yes. on and they're talking and then they dub over cheese quesadilla. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it gets me every time. I loved Wayne and Garth when I, I was a kid. Too. I was like, okay, I actually, okay, little little known fact. Who is this? Wayne's World. Wayne's World. From oh, SNL. Yeah. No, yeah. I just. Doodaloo, doodaloo, doodaloo. Dude, I was thinking like, like I don't know, like Garth Brooks. And oh, no, 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 no. Man. Wayne, okay, so somebody. when I was Look, in middle school. Nobody's going to think you're Yoda. You are still baby Yoda. <laughs> Wayne's World was like the biggest thing when I was in middle school. And we did at my. I went to this little tiny middle school and. Some friends of mine and I decided we're gonna at the student talent show we're gonna reenact the Bohemian Rhapsody scene uh, from Wayne's World and I got to be Garth and I, I'm telling you right now uh, I, I I got it down. That was your best moment. I got your it down. Highest yeah, moment. yeah. I peaked in middle school. <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club, oh, guys. Well, this last week, Pastor Scott uh, opened up a brand new series called Endgame, and here we're going to be working through the letter that Paul writes to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. This letter, um, I thought what we might start with here is just a little bit of background on Thessalonians, um, just to kind of bring everyone up to speed with it. So Thessalonians... Uh, it is a letter. It's probably one of Paul's earliest letters, um, as far as canonical letters. Um, ones, you know, the letters that we have of Paul in the Bible. It's probably the second earliest Bible that he wrote, uh, next to Galatians. And what's interesting about this letter is that it is it expresses this love and um, compassion that Paul has for the the church in Thessalonica that he only got to spend a very short time with because of the craziness that happened in uh, in that city. So you, and and um, the background to this is in Acts chapter 17. So I would love to actually start in Acts. Could, could we could we jump back there and start there? So Acts chapter 17, uh, the just the first 10 verses. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a men great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. I'm sorry. Let me pack up for a second. Can you cut that? Yeah. And not a few. Okay. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they had heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Awesome. Thanks, Ariel. That was a labor of love. That. 
That was fun. <laughs> so, so this um, this passage is actually, I think, really cool because it gives us some insight into what was going on into Paul's missionary journey. So this is Paul's second missionary journey. He goes to Thessal- Thessalonica blah, 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 for the first time. <laughs> he goes into that city, begins to preach the gospel in the synagogue. That was That's the way that they would do it. They would go into the synagogue. They would begin to tell people how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And... Um, so they were probably only there. Some of the scholars that I read on this said one month, uh, as little as one month or at the most, maybe six months, but it was a very short time to launch a church. And he really had, you know, this group of people that came around him that were like, wow, yes. And we're on board and this is awesome. And so, so these people really meant a lot to him. Um, he just really has a love for them. And you could see that so clearly in First Thessalonians chapter 1, um, like, you know, in verse 2, he says, you know, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, he had spent just enough time with them to get them going, but couldn't give them everything that they needed. And so, so what happened was, is, uh, and Paul, uh, Paul and Scott on Sunday ended up uh, giving us a little bit of this context where like he had sent um, Silas back up to Thess- Thessalonica to talk with them about, Hey, you know, how are you guys doing? Checking in, giving them some more teaching. And then this letter is the result of uh, Silas's return um, and then he's coming back with them like, hey, you know, here's some more instructions, some more things to help you out with. And primarily the focus of this letter is remembering that the Lord is coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that because the Lord is coming back, that actually affects the way that we live, that we live today. So um, awesome letter. I mean, really, really good. I would encourage you, hey, listen, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, I would say sit down and read the whole book of First Thessalonians in one sitting. Um, you will get so much out of it just by l- reading it as a letter, like as a letter written from a guy that loves these people uh, to them. Um, it's just so, so helpful. So on the idea of, of reading scripture, um, you know, one of the things that Scott said at the beginning is how the spirit of God uses the word of God to make us like the son of God, right? And That was cool. And uh, yeah, really good stuff. I, I think I started thinking about like, you know, he, he worked through this idea of like the, how the daily intake of the word of God actually changes the way that we respond in situations. And he even said, can change the way that we feel when we go through some of those, those circumstances, situations. I just want to ask you guys, as we get started, what effect has the word of God and spending time in the word of God had on your own life? Like what, what is, what has that done for you? So for me, I um, grew up in the church. I, I think I've told my story on here before where, you know, in the church, I never had instruction on how to read the Bible. And um, so growing up, it was very frustrating for me um, to be told to go have a quiet time and not know what to do during that time. And mm-hmm. so um, as an adult, I'm just now learning how to read it and understand it for the, for the first time. Mm. Um, and, and that is so life changing for me because before, and I I saw it reflected even in my status on Facebook as a, as a funny way to just see the change. But before, you know, I used to have Jesus as my homeboy on my, on my Facebook status. And, um, and then I just realized, no, he's not my homeboy. He is my sovereign Lord. And, it completely changed the way that I see um, my Heavenly Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one, um, mm-hmm. transcendent and above all, and completely different from creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I fell more in love with the Lord after that, just the richness of His goodness. And then I started to understand the meaning of grace even more. Um, so completely life-changing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been reflecting upon this a little bit recently, you know, as I'm about to finish this this master's program, you yeah. know, biblical exposition, which is a fancy way to say like Bible reading and talking <laughs> about it. And, and you know, I, I, this is definitely true for every season of my life, but I've just been reminded um, that, you know, scripture will speak truth into your life and will lead you in ways that you probably don't even recognize, you know, always when it's happening. Um, if I look at kind of, you know, where I was at, you know, three years ago 
and now where I would say I'm at spiritually, I would definitely identify myself as being in a better place, but I wouldn't have known it was happening along the way. Mm -hmm. And I think that just kind of shows, you know, that God is constantly at work. You know, I can tell you what the plan was, and it was a lot of Bible reading, but it's like through that, I've seen God grow me to a place where it's like other people will even identify it too, but... I would have, I could have never told you like, oh, I, I grew more today. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I look back and I go, man, that was a very fruitful season of um, really devoting myself to intense Bible study. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. The thing that's so neat about it is that the way that the Lord Jesus reveals Himself to us in this, in a very personal, in the most personal way, is through Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, like, actually having Him with us in that way is. Um, is transformative. Um, as we as we read the scriptures, we're actually learning who he is, his person and his work, and that changes us. Um, and uh, as we actually, and, and what what Paul is going to talk about here in, in Thessalonians is that it changes us to where we want to be imitators mm-hmm. of him um, and and be more like him. And so so that's a a huge formative thing for us is just being in, in the word of God. I want to say one, one more thing to that yeah. too, because I think, I think we have a tendency to think that like, okay, that maybe that's the way that God works now in this season and he worked differently in the past. Right. And, and I think actually like even what we see from this passage we just read, um, this is the way that God has always worked. Right. Um, that, you know, even in the passage we read in Acts 17, you know, Paul is, is revealing to them the truths of who Christ was throughout all of Scripture. Through Scriptures. Um, you know, I addressed last week Luke chapter 24, where it says that Jesus actually reveals himself to them in Scripture. That's right. And then says, wait for the Holy Spirit to go. And so this isn't, it's not a new work of God, mm-hmm. and it's not like this is the way God works now, and that was the way that he worked then. It's the way that God has always worked. Yeah. Um, that he, Christ has always been revealing himself through scripture. So I think we just need to know that to not be like, oh, well, we got the lame side of it. They're walking with Jesus. It's like, even then when Jesus was walking with them, they didn't always know who he was. Well, they didn't get it. Until he revealed it to them through (laughs) scripture. That's right. (laughs) So that's right. Well, Scott had three main points that he walked through here that, uh, and he was asking the question, how do you know that you're a Christian? Um, this is really based off of verse four here and what Paul is talking about through this. Um, so verse four says, for we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved uh we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And he goes on, but I, I think that this this little section helps us to kind of see the the main thrust of the beginning of his letter, that he wants them to have this assurance of knowing like, yeah, like God loves us, mm. he has saved us, um, and and that we're in his family, you know, and, and they can have that assurance of that. And so he asked the question, so then how do we know? How do we know that we are Christians? So he brought out a couple things. One is that we know the gospel, and he got this out of verse four. Um, let's just start there. What is the gospel? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take it in a backwards approach okay. um, to get to a clear answer. But again, as Scott was saying, gospel, the word, you know, means good news, Gospels can imply, you know, the four um, gospels, you know, in the New Testament. Um, but when we're talking about the gospel, what we're really talking about is, in the broad sense, you've probably heard say people say the message of Jesus Christ. But we're really talking about um, who is Christ and what has He done, mm-hmm. um, and and then what has He done? What does it mean for us? Um, and, but a big part of that, um, and this, I wouldn't say this is this is a part of the good news, but it's establishing also then in light of that, who are we? Mm-hmm. So without understanding our, our standing before God outside of Christ, which is sinful, um, you're going to have a hard time understanding the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's understanding that Christ came, he lived, he died, mm-hmm. he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross for our sins. Um, his death was the atonement, it was the payment for our sins um, on the cross to restore 
our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, as, you know, Paul says in this passage I'm working through in Philippians right now, he says in, you know, so that in his resurrection, I may have resurrection, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's by the death of Christ in which we have a restored relationship. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it's all, it's all by God. So it's a message of what Jesus did, but it's understanding the person of who he is and um, what, what in his actions um, he accomplished. Right. I think that's good. And and one of the things that Scott brought up on Sunday is he, you know, he talked about like when the gospel gets distorted a little bit, right? Yeah. So he talked a little bit about uh, the prosperity gospel. He talked a little bit about the social gospel, but he really camped out on this thing called progressive Christianity. Um, why do you think Scott, because this might be a new thing for people that, that are listening, like what is progressive Christianity? Why did Scott camp out on that one? I, I think first let's just let's just touch the other two, yeah, just yeah. so just mm-hmm. so we can make sure we all have a good grasp on that. So again, the the um, prosperity gospel mm-hmm. is the idea that in Christ establishing a relationship with Him, you will have all the things that you desire on this side of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the prosperity gospel. It's you will get the things that you want: the mm-hmm. health, wealth, the happiness side of things. You'll have all right. of those things fully in Christ. That's in fact what He. Yeah. What he came for for you. So, to, and to unpack that just a little bit more, usually what's happening there is they're looking at people who who preach the prosperity gospel are looking at passages of scripture that are talking about promises that are referring to the not yet, referring mm-hmm. to the things that are in heaven, the things that that we see there, and they're claiming those things as being for the here and now. And so a lot of times what's happening, we call that over-realized eschatology. And the idea with that is they're, um, they're, they're distorting then what Scripture is saying or what it means by implying that those things can come here and now. Um, so that's, that is a yeah. major problem. Now, what's the second one you said? So the second one was the social gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which the social gospel. So it's interesting. It's this. So the prosperity gospel, again, has this kind of eschatological tone. So it's on the back end. That's yep. more on the focus of what did, what did Christ come to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the other one you just – remind me again what you just said. <laughs> the, so, the, the, social, so, the social yeah. justice gospel is the opposite. It's what did Christ come for. Yeah. So it's the front end. One's the front end, one's the back end. Yeah. And so what did he come to end? What did he come to conquer? Right. And it's all of these social issues that we see that are yeah. that are happening in the world that we think are wrong. Right. And it's again an overrealized eschatology yes. because most of those things and I would say, you know, the times where the social gospel um people like the things that they stand for are things that are true. I mean, you're talking about things like systemic racism or mm-hmm. poverty or things like that that are going on in the world like those are things that the lord hates and that you know that wants to see that end of course but those are things that he promises will end once we get to the new heavens and new earth so 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 the social gospel ends up saying oh instead of this is a promise of god and this is something that we can look forward to. What it's saying is we need to bring those things here and now, and, and the gospel includes us making yeah. those things happen now, which, I mean, there, there's there's also kind of a balance there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's kind of nuanced. So maybe we need to address which, that a little bit. Well, well <laughs> yeah. But, but so then I think, I think why it's good to touch both of those things, that then leads into the third. Mm-hmm. Which is this? What we're calling this progressive? Well, before we get into that, though, okay. I mean, I, I do want to just say, like, why is it that? Let me ask this question to both of you. Why is it that um, if systemic racism is something that God hates, if poverty is something that God hates, what should be the church's stance on, like, how to then work towards a solution to that? Do we just sit back and wait for the Lord to come and and do nothing, or? Are there things that we should be doing? You, you know what I mean? I mean, we've kind of talked right. about this in the past, but we don't want to – I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that we want to just take a stance of just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't think the, I don't think that we should have that overrealized eschatology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the balance? I would break it down to the message of the gospel being the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ's work, and then everything else that we do as the church – should come afterward as an overflow of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, of course, the church's response to um, the fallenness of man should be to to start to add order to a chaotic world because that's what God intended his people to do. And um, and so if we lump all of our work into the gospel, then we're we're becoming works-based and we're adding that. And it just it just compounds this 
this um, human story rather than what Christ did. Mm, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I just think there's there's three words that can kind of help our understanding. Um, these are all works of God. Um, and and really this comes out of there's, there's a Bible study series that I think some groups in our church have probably done. Um, it's an okay study, but it's, it's gospel-shaped um, mercy yeah. is the study. But I think there's these three words that are helpful. So, And this has helped me even as I think about missions efforts, mm-hmm. like what we're doing as a church. And to me, there's grace mm-hmm. ministry, there's mercy ministry, and there's justice ministry. And I think all three of these things are part of the work of God. Grace is the component of what God has extended to people um, in their sin um, through Christ, this is the actual sharing the gospel with them. This mm-hmm. is the message that we should have for people that God extends to them. The mercy side is meeting people and having compassion on them if they deserve it or not, mm-hmm. which I think is another component that you know God is at work in doing. And then I think the third side is the justice side, which is um, the things in society as Ariel were saying that these are not okay. They're not right. They're not. They don't exist within the kingdom. Um, they're all things that I think God is at risk, sorry, not at risk, that God is at mission in trying to um, work against, mm-hmm. but they're all things that are never going to be fully realized as long as sin exists in the world. True. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yes, we work for those things, but but where it becomes a breaking point is when it becomes the primary focus of our mission, yeah. which is the example that Scott gave on Sunday. That's Say, a progressive Yes, where, where yes. Yeah. Yeah, and in the example he gave, sorry, the example he gave on Sunday was he was talking about a pastor in Georgia who made the statement um, around Easter where they said that you can, um, yeah, all right, you got it right there. Okay, cool. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Yeah, mm. and that is taking um, the Christian mission, which is which is actually about telling people the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's you know about sharing the gospel with them, what's offered in them in Christ, and it's saying it's not actually about that. It's simply about helping others with the problem that's going right, on in right, their life. Right, right, right. And the way that this guy says, I mean, this is actually Pelagianism yeah. at this point. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the idea of we have enough moral integrity to be able to do enough good works and save ourselves mm-hmm. uh, from our own sinfulness. And that's, I mean, that's big time. Yes. Heresy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't throw that away. We word, need a heresy word. bell. We, we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't ring it often, but this is where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. Um, so Scott mentioned in, in this idea, you know, per, with progressive Christianity, it's a, it has a very low view of Jesus, a low yeah. view of scripture, a low view of sin. Um, so it's going to downplay our, our sinfulness. Um, it's going to say, I mean, we, we've talked about this on the podcast quite a bit, but the idea that we, you know, we're all good people mm-hmm. at heart, you know, things like that, which the Bible does not, uh, support that view. Um, the big thing I think is, is to the, a low view of scripture um, there is a, a very popular uh, pastor who is championing the um, sort of the bringing homosexuality into the church. So, so uh, again, touchy issue, uh, social mm-hmm. issue. Um, and, you know, when you look at what he's saying with this, it's, it, I think it's interesting because what the quote that he said was um, – he went on Oprah Winfrey and actually said this. Um, so he said, um, the church – and I'm going to get the quote right here. Uh, the church will continue to be more irrelevant when it continues to quote letters from two years ago as its best defense. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Now, I think it's an interesting statement that he makes because for two reasons. One, what he's saying is, is that the that the message that um, homosexuality is not um, acceptable to God is clear in Scripture. That that that. That what he has to do is he has – that in order for him to get around it, he has to throw those letters out. He has to throw those scriptures out in order to have Christianity include homosexuality as 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 part of it. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think it's an interesting statement that he makes there because he's admitting that scripture is, is saying this stuff, but you have to actually get rid of scripture – in order to ex- accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we, what we mean by like low view of scripture idea. So I think Scott brought up progressive Christianity mm-hmm. in this uh, sermon because it is becoming more prevalent. Like mm-hmm. we're seeing this sort of thing more and more within the church. Um, you know, this idea of 
you know, getting to this point where we can save ourselves or incorporating mm-hmm. things from the world in sort of the syncretistic type of way mm-hmm. with the church. And, um, and so we have to be on our guard against those sorts of yeah. things. Um, what might help us in being on guard against those and being mm-hmm. able to defend that? I love that he brought up the fact that he preaches the gospel every week or that we preach the gospel every week in every sermon yeah. um, so that we are reminding ourselves what the truth of the gospel is in Jesus Christ and his work and what he has done to restore broken humanity to a glorious God. And, um, and so when you hear that over and over, that repetition helps you weed out when you hear something that's not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love reading scripture over and over. Um, like if you are trying to study the Bible and you're like, well, I'm not very good at like sitting down and like breaking it down and understanding each verse. Well, put it on audio and listen to the letter of the first Thessalonians over and over and over. And you'll start to have this sort of just like seep into your mind so that later You'll re- it'll come to mind when you hear something that is incorrect. That's right. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, I think that I think that central focus is super important. Um, I was thinking about something similar. I just think I think what what our focus needs to be is what um, what does matter, what is central to us mm-hmm. as believers, and what is the rock that we're going to stand on. Mm-hmm. Where we have to get careful is I think there's a tendency, um, especially in the current state of the church, to make everything about a culture war, too. Oh, sure. And yeah. so so I think the flip side of this coin is that we become so about what we're against that we forget what we're really about. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, that's why, I think that's why the right answer is to say, what do we need to focus on? The gospel. And we need to focus on knowing Christ and knowing him more and growing in a knowledge of him and growing to where that is the primary focus of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all these other things become secondary. I think I say that both ways. I say that for people that um, maybe you're finding yourself and you're looking at the church and you're saying, why does nobody care about all these things that are going on? Mm-hmm. If you're in that seat, I would say you just need to make sure that your primary focus is the gospel message of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and then go help your brother and sister you know, yeah. down the road with, with whatever they're going through. That's right. There's an order to this stuff. I mean, yeah, keeping the first mm-hmm. things the first things. Let's keep the gospel central. I would say, too, with those secondary things, maybe an important thing for us to learn is what are the things that we um, can expect that the Lord has done here and now, Mm -hmm. and what are the things that he has promised will happen in the new heavens and new earth, and making sure that we have a proper understanding of that distinction. Mm -hmm. Because if we start to bring the new heavens and new earth stuff, those promises into the here and now, that's when a lot of this stuff starts to get skewed. Mm-hmm. So uh, so being able to go through and find out, okay, where are the passages that talk about those things? And then how do we make sure that we understand which one is which? Mm-hmm. And have it. I mean, and, and so the other side of the coin, so, so again, you know, I'm saying there's, you know, there's those of us that maybe you're in a spot where you're like, why isn't the church doing more with all the things that are going on in the world? Mm-hmm. And you need to m- remind yourself to ground yourself in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is the hope for eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> not fixing any of these broken systems. The other side of the coin, though, is not to just say, well, this is none of the things we're supposed to focus on. We need to focus on the gospel. You know, we need to focus on the gospel and we're not going to worry about any of these things mm-hmm. at all. I, I think that is also not what God intends for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we really had, as we grow in a knowledge of Christ, we're going to grow in our love and perspective for the people around us. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily grow in agreeing with their ideology or even their worldview, mm-hmm. but it means that you're going to have a compassion for them. Um, you know, right. even to kind of draw back to, you know, our like, there are times where we have to draw a clear line in the sand to say that your school is teaching something that is not, you know, right. And you need to address that because it's going to affect your kids and the system and all this stuff for sure. But there's also a time where you need to probably recognize the identity crisis that your neighbor down the road that is homosexual is probably going through in their life. Yeah, And you need to um, and the social pressures and the, deeply yeah. <laughs> about the struggle that they're going through and yeah. want to be f- there for them. Because again, if we're talking about the full narrative of scripture, um, to be human is to be made in the image of God, which means that there's an inherent worth <laughs> mm-hmm. in yes. this person. So, so I just think, it, I just think, you know, we need to call out what's wrong, but we also need to say that that doesn't completely remove us off the hook 
from saying at the same time that we're not going to be compassionate towards the people around us. Yeah. So the gospel is central. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. answer. But, yeah. the, but those are the guardrails that I think we have to watch. That's really good. I really um, love this idea of just growing in, growing in discernment. Um, and I, I think that gospel issues are certainly first and foremost, which is mm-hmm. what we're saying here and what Scott is saying, is that those are things you definitely want to identify. I love that you've gone, taken us to the place where we need to be compassionate about anything that falls outside of what we would believe to be truth. Um, I just wanted to bring this up as just for our listeners who are in the church and just how we are trying to love each other well as well Mm -hmm. within the church is that you're going to have disagreements with each other as far Mm -hmm. as like interpretations of the scriptures and things like that. Um, And so as we're trying to discern what issues are priority issues to be um, on our guard about and which issues are secondary issues or even third issues... Um, We want to think about how to do some type of triage with that. And so I just wanted to throw out Gavin Ortland's book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On. Um, I think Great title. Did you read it yet? Yeah. I've read halfway and then I gave it to Chris. Yeah. And it's it's sitting on my desk for like two months. (laughs) Did I give you my copy and never read it? Or did I never read it? Okay. (laughs) I bought it and I never, I don't think I read through it. Yeah. But I I listened to his podcast or he did a podcast on Crossway um, about his book. And I just really appreciate what he trying to do here. He just is trying to equip the church in ways to um, yeah. show charity to one another mm-hmm. and to be able to be brothers and sisters in Christ and to tackle the same issues together um, in a way that it, that is just fragrant of Christ. And so yeah. I would I would highly recommend um, looking into that. So, so outside the book, or maybe inside the book, but what are the, some of those, I mean, let's just lay out, you know, what is yeah. the hill to die on or yeah. or hills that we think, you know, these are important things that you need to hold, you know. So I'd say gospel, uh, Mm. like the gospel is number one, right? So, so it's the message of, of what, just what we talked about that Mm -hmm. Jesus, uh, that we're sinners, that Jesus came and died in our place and then rose again. And, Mm -hmm. um, and those, those things, I think, especially, uh, pointed out in first Corinthians chapter 15, those are the, the key the key things. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I mean, I think first tier issues are things like um, the nature of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I would say to the nature of man, because I, mean, I think without a proper understanding of our sinfulness mm-hmm. uh, and brokenness, then that distorts the gospel as well. Yeah. Um, what else? No, I think that was really good. I was even thinking, I was thinking like, even within the context of the gospel, I would even be more clear within our current age to say that the personhood of Christ, I'm not talking about him in his, yeah. in his human form, but just saying, who is Jesus? Yeah. Um, and I think that is a central question that if, if you sway away from that, even within the context of how you explain the gospel, <laughs> you know, um, I think, you know, that that's where you start to get down. That's where I see a lot of rabbit trails go for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sure. Yeah. What are some, um, what are some secondary tertiary issues? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think so. Like third level or secondary? <laughs> just, oh, I, I don't know. know. Third, don't know third level stuff would... for me is like the color of the carpet. Yes. In okay. The church. Okay. Like, yeah. That kind of stuff. But it's sad. Make <laughs> you know. sure I had the right perspective. Or okay. You know, those things divide churches. Oh yeah. Um, just because we we don't learn how to disagree and how to um, how to debate well. Like that's a lost art. Just to disagree with a brother and at the end of the day be like, "Love you, man. See you tomorrow." Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Right. Um, but I think I think one of the things that's um, hurtful, especially as we were talking about women earlier, mm-hmm. is that when people elevate the issue of women in the church to a heresy issue, oh yeah, um, and they start to make that like their their hill to die on, that mm-hmm. that can be very hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ones you guys have? The way I mean, the way that I tend to think about it, and this is this is just my perspective, and there's different systems to do this, but. I like to think of what I call creedal Christianity and those things that were within the context yeah. of the creed. Um, and, and there are different creeds. So I just tend to say the Apostles' Creed. Now, it's not a foolproof system, believe mm-hmm. me. Um, I could poke some holes in my own system. But I think of those things as being um, central, mm-hmm. uh, being of importance. Um, yeah. Not that the creed is Scripture. It's a reflection of Scripture. So mm-hmm. not saying just because you believe the creed means that you believe the Bible. But right. it's supported off that. So. I think those things to be central. Once you start to get outside of those things, um, I think there's room for debate. I think and we have this conversation within membership a lot. Yeah. Um, I think there's there is room for debate, and I know many good Christians that fall on both sides of those issues. And I'm stealing your language here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think um, they each church may draw a different conclusion on that. Mm-hmm. And if you draw a different conclusion, um, it might affect the way that you function within that body. It might make it more difficult. But I don't think the right thing to do is to look around and say, you know, that's a Christian church and this one's not, that's right. especially if they agree on those central things. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, I mean, again, as you said, I think the role of women um, in leadership can be one of those things. Yeah. I think you can go to... Probably baptism. Yeah, how ma- baptism, baptism, how many times you do communion. And we're talking about big things. Like yeah. We're not yes, talking about things... important things. Yeah, but, you should yeah. think about these things. I would but. even argue, and I know this is something that, that even our church kind of deals with, but the sovereignty of God. Um, yeah. issue over mm-hmm. salvation. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a secondary issue mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. there are wonderful Christians on both sides of that throughout history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we can't <laughs> we can't say that one, one, one camp has kind of completely yep. nailed mm-hmm. down. And it's why we say the gospel is central. But, mm-hmm. and, then, and then as you said, it gets to those more practical things, mm-hmm. you know, um, style of worship, how loud we're wearing worship, um, in this day and age, mask, no mask. Like, it, it just, it, it gets... <laughs> All of those things, that that those aren't things that are clearly laid out in Scripture, and they're definitely not things that are pertinent to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Right. So, you know, in the sermon on Sunday, Scott was asking this question, how do you know that you're a Christian? And we, we... he talked about that you know the gospel. And so we've kind of dug into that quite a bit here. The other two points that he brought out is that we know the power of the gospel and we know the change that the gospel brings. Um, I just kind of, we only have a few minutes left, so I want to kind of lump these together a little bit. How might knowing that the gospel has power, um, and I mean real power to change us and transform us, how might that affect the way that we do evangelism? Super good. I think um, for me, the way that I've started to think about this is that um, the Lord is like a father. And um, if you think about um, him involving us in his work, he he's just seeing us as children who he delights in letting us do his work. Mm-hmm. And so he's involving me in his um and in his bringing about salvation. And so really all I am is a seed planner, and I, and I can be okay with that. Um, I, I've had conversations with other people who are just truly distraught that they feel like they don't feel like they've ever brought someone to saving faith, like they've not seen the full yeah. um, turnaround. And, uh, and, and I think we just need to be okay with being part of the process and um, faithfully speaking the gospel, because we've heard this before, like the gospel actually does have words. Um, and telling people what that good news is and then letting the Lord do the rest by the power of his spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, great to be a wrap up question cause we can talk about this forever, but, sure. um, again, I, I think, um, I, I think the reminder is that all of the power of the gospel is not you. It's sure, apart from you. Yeah, and yeah. so so there's two things with that. One that means that we minister by the power of the spirit, which so when you're sharing with somebody, have confidence that um, even in your broken ability to deliver words, to share, to present the message that God is at work and the burden's not on you. Mm-hmm. The second side is this is why we go share it with people, <laughs> like because it has transforming power. Yeah. And I think I think we underestimate that. I think we um, often we see people in their sin, we see their actions, we see what they're doing, we see their brokenness, um, we see that they're lost, whatever it may be, and we look at them and we go like, man, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just dead wrong. Yeah. Like you actually have the only hope. That's right. That's um, right. In the message of Christ. And so by you neglecting to share it with them, um, you're, you're holding back that hope. And so, and, and God will work and God doesn't need you, but I think, I think we need to recognize the power of the message that we have, not just in the ability to share it, but in literally what it can offer to someone. Yeah. Um, and I just think, again, the more, I mean, I am like, I am engrossed in eight, co- eight credits right now. All I'm doing is reading different passages of scripture and writing sermons right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are in Paul's letters. And the more and more I read Paul, the more and more it is like challenge, but it's like, go. 
Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you need to go tell people about this. Yeah. Um, as God's growing you, it, it should be our natural inclination to share it with people. And and I think we don't just because we're a little we're a little scared that we don't like have it in us. So I, that's, what, that's what I want to camp out on just for a second because I think. A lot of times people don't go and share the gospel with people because – and it's not that they don't think that there's actual power in it, mm-hmm. but it's because they think that they have to present it in such a way that's that's creative, whimsical, going to hook people yeah. the right way. And, and, and that's just not how it works. The, the, the thing is, is that if we, can, if we can just tell people the gospel, if we can just get that message into their ears, that the Lord uses that and works within yeah. them to draw them to himself, to kind of like free them and get them and get them to – Again, it's it's another uh, thing that's always been that way. Yeah. It's not something that's just new in 2020. Right. Like, I mean, Paul himself is is talking about how he's oh, I forget the letter, but he's talking about how he's not going to borrow from the rhetorics of Rome, um, the rhetoric skills of Rome to present the gospel. He's going to present it plainly. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to try to be crafty. He's not going to be try to be creative and bait and switch people. He's just going to handle it over to them plainly and let the spirit work in a world where rhetoric was never more important. I mean, you look at like the rise of Julius Caesar and it's like, it was all about his ability to just speak and, and lead a crowd. And so I just think Paul, even in that world, says it's not going to be presented to you in a way that is like crafty and you're going to think he's the best presenter ever. Those people do exist and people come come to Christ in a knowing faith from presenters like that. But God works through plain speech. That's right. Mitch, what you're saying, I think, is right on and echoes what you're saying, what, what Paul was saying um, in the early church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He <laughs> says, he says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, is the way he says it, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and of power. Uh, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I think that is a huge yeah. point because it, just remember, Paul was brilliant. Like the guy was super trained in the scriptures. He was an excellent communicator, great leader. But this guy decided, I I can't use those things because if I do that, I could it could, it could be said that I'm manipulating them. Mm-hmm. And so what he did was he said, I'm just going to teach you Christ and him crucified. And that's it. And and he said that it came with these demonstration of spirit and of power, which I, I think is referring to what he's talking about in Thessalonians, mm-hmm. where the spirit convicts them of their sin and the power of God transforms their heart. So, yeah. It's money. <laughs> it isn't money. It's, it's the spirit. Not, yeah, it's, not money. it's Christ and Spot him crucified. On. Good job. <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of our listeners who struggle with this, who are maybe nervous about giving the gospel, telling people the gospel, uh, doing evangelism, things like that. Mm -hmm. What advice can we give them as we wrap up today, as we're considering all of this? How can we help them to, to, to get over that hump a little bit and start to talk to their friends and neighbors about Christ? The first question you have to ask is, do you have people in your life that are not <laughs> Christ followers, yeah. you know? And then secondly, I think that the gospel is best shared within the context of relationship. And mm-hmm. so um, I think if you see people um, the way that God sees people and you um, exist in relationship with them, and if um, the work of God is central to your life, then I don't know how it doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like I have a conversation with everybody about it, but there aren't a lot of people in my life that I don't talk about the gospel with them at some point Mm -hmm. um, because it's so central to the focus of who I am. The tendency that I have to guard is to make sure that I have people in my life um, that are outside of just this holy bubble of Christian community. Right. And so I think when you have those people, you just need to, you need to engage with them about the things in your life that are important. Yeah. And, and I think as you're doing that, as you care and you value, I hope it would come up naturally and you just need to not be worried about straying, straying, you know, too far back from it. So, I think that sounds great. That's what I would love to have happen to me. If someone were coming after me, I would hope that they'd be in relationship with me and care about me as a person first before um, just dropping truth bomb and running away. Yeah. Is there value in that? Is there value in, in doing evangelism on a, on a level where you yeah. don't know the person? And... Yeah, I believe there is. I I think you've all probably been in a situation where you felt probably just like this this feeling, this tug that I should say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I, I've been guilty of not listening to it 
Um, and I think that that's just a call to say, hey, don't be afraid of what the Lord has done, um, because it is the power of salvation for those who believe, and right. um, and those who will believe will believe it will be um, a good day. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would validate it too. Um, I, I prefer to share the gospel within the context of relationships, but I absolutely have seen God work um, in kind of the, you know, approach someone you don't know, um, the airplane. <laughs> test. You mm-hmm. know, I've seen God work in all those mm-hmm. ways. Um, I think it's just, as you said, it's just being discerning and sensitive. And again, um, not not making the central focus winning people over but having a deep care for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's where it, it, it can look different. Yeah. So thanks for joining us this week on the Sunday Recap Podcast. Next week, we're going to be jumping into First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, and a great passage that we're going to be digging into. I'm looking forward to Sunday. So we hope to see you on Sunday, and we'll catch you next time on the Sunday Recap. See you then. And so uh, would someone read that? Acts 17. Acts chapter 17. Now, when they had passed through, oh, just kidding. <laughs> Cut. And Amphipolis? Amphipolis. 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 Apollonia. 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 Is, we're going to put this at the end of the podcast. This is good. Oh, they came to Thessalonica. <laughs> this, 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 let me just quickly this, scan this. Thessalonian Nica. <laughs> you said the first ten, right? Or first nine? Ten. Oh. You want me to go all the way to ten? Yes. Yeah. Synagogue? Another... <laughs> is there another one in there? Synagogue. <laughs> so how would you say... Amphi- it's like that commercial of the guy that's trying to pronounce quinoa. Mm-hmm. Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> we may not be able to do half the good. Let's see if you got any more on the way. <laughs> at, least, at least the guy's name's Jason. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. You can't miss that one. <laughs> <laughs>